Welcome to the MLB Early Bird Podcast for the August 31st slate of MLB action. I am Jason Floyd. As always here on this uh, Sunday night, uh, Monday edition of the Early Bird Podcast, I am joined by Terry McBride as, uh, you know, me and Terry are going to be doing a little battle here at the beginning of the week with the Rays and the Yankees playing each other. I know you've been, uh, you've been watching the Yankees. I was watching a little bit of the Rays today as they were, uh, got up, uh, very quickly on the Marlins today, end up, uh, scoring 12 runs, uh, Rays playing some good ball right now. I know your Yankees, uh, not, you know, maybe starting to turn things around. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully today's a big uh, step in the right direction. They had a real nice comeback uh, win uh, late innings. Uh, Aaron Hicks hit a tying home run late and uh, you know, really hopefully get us in gear and get things going. They've got David Garcia going right now, and uh, he came through the first inning uh, first inning of his career clean, and the Yanks have Eric Kratz catching him. Gary's sitting for the second game, and Kratz is like 42, and Davey's like the second youngest player in the league this year at 21, right? So he, Davey comes off the mound, and Kratz gives him a big hug, and you know, congrats for his first inning. Michael Kay, the announcer, goes, and there's Garcia getting a nice hug from his father. <laughs> it's <laughs> the biggest biggest age gap in a Yankees starting battery, Michael Kay was saying, since 1906, which is unbelievable. Just thinking about every single game over and over again for 162 games or 150 back in the day uh, over all that time. This is the biggest gap since 1906 for a starting pitcher-starting catcher combo. So that's cool. Here's my question about that stat. Who kept track of that? <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That's got to be somebody on baseball references just doing the subtraction, plugging it in every day. This is just one guy's job. <laughs> I mean, that that's just that, that's an amazing stat that, first off, someone even keeps it. I mean, there's a, as someone who is very much a, a stat guy, there are some stats you look at and said, who the hell was keeping track of that stat? Uh, but, yeah. Right, yeah. That's, who, thought that, that, it, who thought to look it up you know, in the moment? It was just, yeah, I love stuff like that. And, and that's what's great about baseball. There's so much data, and you can find stats and numbers for, for anything. You know, I love it. That's a an awesome stat that uh, he pulled up there. Yeah, that's a, that's always uh, in a baseball broadcast because you got so much time that you're filling up. You're trying to find whatever you can get out there. But of course, I want to let you know that we are sponsored by Yahoo, and Yahoo is the most trusted name in fantasy sports. Yahoo DFS now includes CSV upload and CSV edit features. When you're looking to play those multiple lineups, you might be like myself, as I was literally. About five minutes away from uh, lock today, I'm trying to get those CSV edits in as you know, <laughs> trying to get those lineups in. And uh, but of course, uh, with Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports, make better choices. Choose Yahoo Daily Fantasy. Now, when we look at this slate on Monday, we do have. If you're playing on FanDuel, FanDuel does have two different early slates. They've got a just a point old early slate with a three games of Miami and the Mets. Baltimore, Toronto, Seattle, and the Angels. They also have an all-day slate that does include all games. So that is something if you're going to play on FanDuel, DK, they've just got the main slate at uh, they've got the main slate at 705. And I want to say I saw they've got an early slate with just the Marlins, Mets, Orioles, and Blue Jays. Um, you know, we can kind of briefly go over some of these early games, you know, especially for yeah. our listeners that are particularly going to be playing on FanDuel and maybe they're looking at, uh, you know, Jacob DeGrom is someone that they've kind of said, you know what, if I'm playing in that all day slate, I'm, I'm going to give me that 11,400 and, and Jacob DeGrom. Yeah. And honestly, I didn't even pull up the pricing for that early slate. Cause I saw Jake DeGrom's name kind of next to the other guys on that slate. And I was like, well, there's the answer. <laughs> I don't need to look at what anybody costs. 
Um, yeah, he's pretty much the go-to there. I feel like the entire field is going to be on him. So if you want to get cute about things and differentiate, it'll be very easy. Just pick any of the other pitchers. Uh, but DeGrom's a stud. We know that. Uh, last year he was 31.7% uh, strikeout rate. He's up to 36% this year, throwing harder this year than he ever has. Uh, averages 97, uh, I'm sorry, 98 miles an hour on the fastball. Has touched like 101, I think, this year. Uh, 35 to 40% whiff on all four of his pitches. Just really nothing more to say. The one thing that I would note, uh, it was in the MLB.com blurb, and I didn't even realize it until I saw that, is that this will be his fourth straight start against the Marlins. So they've seen him a lot. Now, DeGrom is ace of all aces, best pitcher in baseball probably, or right there, you know, 1-1-A with Scherzer. Um, do you think there's any impact, you know, just from a baseball standpoint of them seeing them, him that many times so far in this short a time span where, you know, sort of like a second, third time through the lineup kind of thing. They've seen his stuff so much so frequently and uh, so recently. Do you oh. think there's anything to that, something not to worry about? I put stuff into that. I mean, like I, I use it like when you're when you're talking about me coming from more of a football world of when you see that team the second time around, you kind of know what's coming. So these Marlins batters, they're going to know what's coming. And also, I think it comes down to you know the management of the Marlins. They're sitting there saying, okay, we, we've now got a couple of games against this guy. What worked? What didn't work? Who in the lineup do we need the lineup against this guy? So to me, I, I think there is something to take into that. Yeah. Yeah, you can always and you put that together with, you know, some of the existing career splits and some of the existing career splits against, you know, similar handedness and, and things like that against pitching repertoire and everything. So there could be a little something there. You maybe uh, roll out a few Marlin stacks just as a uh, crazy offbeat if you're making one fifty for this short slate. But I think yeah, like we said, you're really leaning to to Grom on the uh pitching side of things. And then really, you know, I think maybe Marco Gonzalez would be the next best option on that slate as far as a starter. Not really much else that I liked on there. So Marco's 18.9% uh, strikeout, 6.0% walk for his career, 1-3-2 whip for his career. So he allows guys to get on, you know, mostly through the base hit. He's reduced his usage of his changeup a little bit this year, more his, uh, more focus on the two-seamer two sinker and uh, his cutter. 22.9% whiff on the cutter, sub-20 on the other pitches, 39% ground ball. So, I mean, not a pitcher I really trust in any sense, but he's kind of get, been getting it done. He does it by inducing a lot of soft contact. He's 20% uh, soft contact, contact on the year, but allows a fair amount of hard contact. He really takes it out of the medium side. So uh, kind of a do-or-die dice roll of a pitcher, but might be the second-best option on that short slate. Yeah, the Angels have not announced who they're going to go with. Uh, looking like it's probably Julio Tehran, based on what what FanDuel has out there right now. Uh, this isn't the Julio Tehran of five years ago, <laughs> you know. So that's that's something to put in there. Uh, overall, in the uh, the other the other uh, one of the other earlier games, Baltimore and Toronto. Baltimore has not officially come out and said that uh, Keegan Aiken is going to be the star. That's kind of what we do expect. Chase Anderson, we're expecting, going to get the start. Um, for Toronto, I, I guess in terms of, and in the other game, you've got St. Louis and Cincinnati. If someone's playing in that all day slate on FanDuel, Dakota Hudson going for the Cardinals and Anthony, uh, going for the Reds, you know, for, for our listeners that maybe are going to maybe, you know, play in some, you know, early of those FanDuel lineups and they're going to play that all day. Is there maybe some stacks that you're looking that you think could be somewhat interesting? 
Um, interesting. So I don't have it loaded up so I can uh, jump through that and give numbers attached to it. So it's a little bit just, you know, speculative looking at some of the pitching matchups. I think you could probably go uh, and attack the uh, starter for the Marlins. I think we can definitely attack the rookie who's starting Keegan Aiken, we think, for the Orioles there. Um, so so both sides of that, you know, the, it's the Blue Jays against uh, against him, right? Just looking through these matchups. Uh, so it would be yeah. Targeting, yeah, targeting the Blue Jays' bats against him. I don't love targeting the Orioles' bats against Chase Anderson. Anderson, a veteran pitcher, not anybody I really want to go to as like a starting pitching option, but he might be able to limit that somewhat limited offense. So they're not really popping. Uh, they wouldn't be probably in, uh, in my model. Maybe a little bit on like a Santander for a home run, somebody like that. Um, and then, you know, looking down later on, I kind of like the uh, the two pitchers in the uh, in the uh, St. Louis and uh, Cincinnati game, just as far as that all day slate as two of the better options on that board. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily stack against either one. When I say I like them, they're you know within that limited set of options. They're all right. Uh, so you know the the move might be to roll out and uh, maybe stack some of those uh, Mariners bats against Julio Teron. Like you said, he's not the Julio Teron from a while back. The Mariners have been a little bit frisky. Julio's allowed a 1-4-0 career home run per nine to left-handed hitters. We know that they've got some lefty bats. Kyle Seager comes to mind. So maybe that's the move. I wouldn't expect them to be crazy high-owned on that slate. So I could maybe endorse some Mariners bats there as just an off-the-top-of-the-head one. Yeah, I mean, but of course, uh, you know, for for people who are playing on DK, they're like, uh, we're not concerned about that. Uh, you know, obviously, everyone's going to be looking at the main slate. Before we get into the main slate, want to let you know about how you can get access to all of our player projections, ownership projections, the top pitcher tools, and so much more by signing up for an awesome plus MLB weekly pass for fifteen ninety five. No matter whether you're listening to this podcast, a strategy show, live before lock. You always talk to us here in a, as we talk about who are the players that are going to be the highest owned, who are we liking that top stack tool. And if you want access to all those tools, you got to sign up for an Osmo Plus MLB Weekly Pass for fifteen ninety five. All you got to do is go to Osmo.com forward slash join to sign up and get that pass for all of this week's MLB action. But, uh, you know, we look at this main slate starting off at 7.05, Start off with the Nationals and the Phillies. I want to say we were doing a show together when uh, Spencer Howard was set to make his debut uh, in the big leagues. And this is his first start since August the 20th. He was supposed to start on Thursday of last week. However, uh, that was postponed. So we'll see if he can get his first win. And then when you look on the other side, it's kind of a, something you alluded to earlier with Eric on, on the mound for the Nats is this is his second straight start against the Phillies. Yeah, and I think that's something that, uh, you know, regardless of how many times uh, straight he starts against them, I think I want the Phillies bats when he's pitching against them. Uh, they're just a big-time team, very, very good offense here, a lot of power, and he's just not a pitcher that has all that much to offer. So uh, I think we can definitely attack Fede. Uh, on the other side, Howard, he's allowed four home runs in just 11 innings so far, so like the number looks a little wonky on him. But he was really good at limiting home runs uh, throughout his minor league career. It was a brief minor league career, but he's had uh, a number of spots, uh, number of stops where it was like under a half a home run per nine. So he was very good at it there. 
Um, 45% whiff on the 42 sliders he's thrown in uh, his uh, limited innings. Uh, he's Funnily, he's yielded one home run on each of his four pitches so far this year. So uh, it's tough to predict which one of his pitches is going to work really well for him. But the kid's got quality. He's a high-end prospect for them. So uh, I do like him. I don't know that I love him uh, in this spot going up against the Nats. They're a frisky offense team we like to get to a little bit here. Uh, so I think we can roll out stacks on both sides of this one. Uh, we like Trey Turner up at the top for the Nats. Juan Soto, ton of power, obviously. Uh, as Drupal in the middle of that lineup, doesn't really get respect, tends to go on their own. Somebody I really like to get to a lot. Uh, so I think we can build there. And then, like we started with, I really like Andrew McCutcheon. Uh, he's perennially underpriced on FanDuel and uh, just a guy I roll out every time from the top of this lineup. Gets on base all the time. I uh, hit a home run for us the other day, hitting ahead of some real thumpers in Hoskins, Harper, Real Muto. Uh, we've got Didi in that lineup. Gene Segura hit a home run the other day. They've got Alec Bohm up there now. So really, really like what the Phillies can do. Pretty much one through eight, even with Hazley in there, too. So really like that lineup. Yeah, I mean, like, <clears throat> you do cut a guy like Cabrera at 2,800 on FanDuel. I mean, that that's just, you know, especially if you if you want to build a stack with the Nats, that $2,800 salary really makes it very intriguing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's a guy who hits from both sides of the plate. He's a guy we've seen go over 20 home runs in his career. He's just somebody I trust, ultimately. And, uh, you know, he's a veteran guy. He's uh, probably 10, 12 years in the league so far this year. So somebody with baked-in career numbers that, you know, it's it produces. He's getting a very good projection for me. And that price is ridiculous. You can build him into the middle. You can go a three-solid veteran stack that I like in the middle of this lineup. With him, Kendrick, and Eaton for 2900 2800 and 2900 And then do anything else you want with this team, with every other team on the slate. So I really like doing things with the Nat stack here. Uh, don't forget about Eric Thames down the bottom of this lineup against a, a young righty. A lot of lefty power there. Victor Robles, kid we like to wrap around with with his power and his speed. So they're 2300 and 2400 apiece on FanDuel. So there's just so much to make the only two expensive bats very affordable on this uh, on this team. Yeah, I mean, when you look at Phillies, JT is always a guy that I'm going to look at, you know, in that catcher spot, particularly on DraftKings. A little different with Fanduel with the, the catcher slash first base, but still, he's even a guy that I think you have to always look at. For sure. Yeah, I mean, he's just got a ton of power. One of the best, if not the best, offensive catchers in baseball. A guy you can absolutely go to uh, against either hand, so no real worries about the split. Only 3,800 over on Fanduel, so... Even though he's going to be taking the spot of a first baseman, this is a catcher that you don't mind doing that with pretty much every time. He's got similar quality to what most of the corner infielders are going to be offering you anyway. Uh, on DK, where you do have to play him as a catcher and you do have to play a catcher, I would expect he's going to be pretty popular as part of this offense, but I don't mind getting to him. Uh, I don't know if I would do it as much as a one-off just because of what I expect his popularity to be, but as part of the stack, yeah, I think he's almost mandatory. When you look at uh, Monday night slate, I think there's two games to me that just stick out from a game perspective. One is the Rays and the Yankees, and the other one is going to be the White Sox and the Twins are about an hour after the Rays and Yankees will have first pitch. And obviously, uh, you know, the Yankees have not officially come out, but expecting Garrett Cole is going to get the start. Uh, Tyra Glass now we do know is going to get the start for the Rays. Uh, Glass now in his last, his last start allowed two runs over seven innings and struck out a career high 13. It was against Baltimore. I guess that's, you got to kind of throw that in there. That was against Aaron. Of course, uh, you know, I don't know if there's really anything we have to really say about Garrett Cole. I think everyone knows how great of a pitcher he is. Uh, you know, FanDuel 
10,700. Uh, Glass now, 9,500. So, you know, you know, in terms of, especially on, on the FanDuel side of things is, you know, you're not, you don't have to worry about an SB2, you know, so you, you only got, you know, maybe is Garrett Cole the guy you go to, or, you know, do you kind of say, you know what, man, he's raised bats. I, I don't, I don't know if I, I necessarily want to target him. I think I think Cole's a guy I'm going to go to uh, even 10-7 on FanDuel. You know, it's a big price tag. Uh, there are a lot of good starters on the slate today. Uh, it's a, it's a pretty good pitching slate. So I don't know how much I'm going to get him. It's probably going to be dictated by what the uh, what the ownership looks like and uh, what he looks like in the top starters tool tomorrow. Uh, the Rays are a lineup I don't love to tangle with. But like you said, I mean, Cole's an ace. I'm getting a tremendous projection on him. Guy's striking out 32% of hitters this year. That's actually down from a ridiculous 39.9% last year. Uh, so he just he's a dominant pitcher. Um, but the Rays bats, you know, I didn't get to enough of them after writing them up today, and they went off, and uh, I'm kicking myself for that. So I don't know if I really want to roll too much of them against them here, despite the good, uh, the good number. Um He's throwing uh, about one mile an hour uh, lower velocity uh, across the board, Cole, this year so far. So maybe that's the difference that we're seeing in the you know seven percent or so uh, shaved off the strikeout rate. But again, over thirty percent, you're not worried about that. Uh, forty six forty six percent whiff on seventy three sliders. He's thrown fifty two percent on uh, one hundred and six curveballs. So just a dominant pitcher. Not worried about him there. Glass now on the other side against this Yankees lineup. Kind of interesting. Ninety five hundred on Fanduel. I don't get nearly the projection form that I get for Cole, but it's also not the real Yankees lineup. You know, we talked about that a little before the show. They're still dealing with some injuries. They got DJ LeMahieu back, but they're still missing Judge. They're still missing Stanton. So a lot of power out of the middle of this lineup. Gary Sanchez, when he does hit the ball, it's going far, but he's really not making much contact at all, just swinging and missing it a lot. So a lot of struggling hitters in the lineup here for the Yanks. And uh, Glass now, like you said, he's – very, very good strikeout pitcher, uh, 39.3% strikeout so far in his 28 innings this year. Um, you know, So like a lot of what he does, he's got a little bit of a bumpy stat line now, like a 5-1-4 ERA on the season. So some of the box score watchers, the uh, casuals, might not be getting to him. So could be a good spot where he's a little bit uh, sneakier than he should be. So he's another guy I want to keep an eye on uh, in this matchup for sure tomorrow. You know, when we think about some of the, the hottest hitters in baseball, and of course everyone's talking about Manny Machado. But are, are you still riding the Luke train, or are, do you, or do you think this Luke train is going to kind of, you know, start to kind of slow down a little bit? Look, it's I can't explain it. I don't know where it came from. I am still mad at him for stealing Greg Bird's job, even though Greg Bird could never stay healthy. Uh, but look, the guy just hits. Uh, he's 308, 376, uh, 725, I think, coming into today's action. 12 home runs, uh, 418 ISO, which is like double a good ISO. Uh, WRC plus 90% above league average. So, yeah, the guy's just raking, filling in for Judge, hitting second in the lineup uh, in a lot of days. Only 3,800, so love the price. Decent home run mark in my model. Uh, the only guy getting a higher one on the Yanks right now is Gary, uh, which, like we said, is going to be entirely dependent on his ability to make any contact at all with uh, with that Glasnow arsenal. Uh, so uh, Glasnow throws basically two insane pitches. Uh, he's getting 75% whiff on uh, the 19 changeups that he's thrown, so we don't really even count that. But he's getting 52% whiff on 182 curveballs that he's thrown, a 218 x-iso on his fastball, though. So if he throws the fastball in the wrong part of the plate to Gary, Gary might be able to turn on it. So I do like some of the Yankees' power here. You could make a stack between like LeMahieu, Voigt, and work your way down to Gary. 
Talkman and Urshela are also two bats that I think are playing over their heads since coming to the Yankees, but they've been doing a good job and they haven't cooled off. So they're you know in a similar boat. I think you can build them into that stack too. At twenty eight hundred on Fanduel, if Sanchez gets a home run, he's paid off the price. For sure, yeah, absolutely. And you know he's probably going to be under owned on DK. I don't. We don't know what his price is going to be over there yet, but. Assuming that the Yankees aren't going to be one of the most probable stacks against Glass now to really go off, I think Gary could be a little sneaky over there as you know maybe a cheap catcher one off, uh, you know a very low owned catcher one off to play, or as part of this stack. And, and you bring up a really great point of you know when, when we're talking about you know who, who the type of players that may be in the tournament you're in, if you happen to be in a tournament that you think is going to have a lot of just casual baseball fans who are playing just DFS for fun, some entertainment while you're watching the games, Glassnell may be looked over because of that ERA. Right, right. There's And that's something that I like to look for. That's why I always talk about, you know, things like XFIP and, uh, you know, things that uh, aren't just popping up on that just FanDuel when you pull up the mm-hmm. player notes, you know, stuff like that. That really tells the underlying story of who a player actually is behind the surface numbers. A lot of those surface numbers, ERA, batting average, they're they're flawed stats. They're not really telling the truth about what a player is doing, and we know that. So when we look at those things, it helps us find that edge. So, yeah, those are always important things to explore. A lot of people ask, you know, what we're looking at when we look in the fan graph. So, yeah, always, always explore those underlying numbers that aren't popping up for, you know, just the casual public fan. Moving on to the next game, another uh, team in the AL East. That'll be the Boston Red Sox. They'll be at home taking on the Atlanta Braves. Colton Brewer is going to get the start for the Red Sox. He has been an opener for them. Uh, you know, so there's that. You know, we were talking before the show about how you know a year ago the Rays were being chastised for this whole opener thing, and now uh, you know half the league is going there and doing it. Uh, for the Braves, we're expecting that Anderson is going to get the start for them. Uh, looking at their DK prices, Ian Anderson eighty four hundred, uh, Colton Brewer fifty five hundred. Uh, you know, look, I, I, for me, I don't know why you would necessarily roster an opener. That's just me. Yeah, I mean, maybe as one of those, like if he's four K on DraftKings, you know, one of those like bare minimum pitchers that are weird random misprices. But I don't think Brewer is going to be priced that way. He threw four innings, uh, I think it was against the Orioles in his longest start of the year. Uh, so he's kind of working in that in-between-ish kind of role, uh, but just not a pitcher I really would want to go to with any uh, you know, any uh, confidence at all. Um, I had Max Fried on the uh, on the brave side of this one. Is it Anderson? Uh, I was. They, they've not officially come out and said it. Um, I was just basing on what uh, FanDuel had put out. Okay. It was Max Fried that came down with my uh, with my data from Fangrass, but that goes back and forth, especially this year as, uh, when they don't announce. Uh, so if it's Anderson, I would probably lean more into the Red Sox stack side of things. Mm-hmm. If it's Freed, I think we can get away with rolling some Freed. Uh, so it's an interesting spot. So definitely let's keep an eye on who's actually starting. Uh, Freed, I was getting a pretty good projection on uh, only 8,600 on FanDuel also. So I like Max Freed. He's pitching really well. Uh, Anderson is a high-end rookie, just another one of those uh, that just carousel of uh, high-end rookie pitchers that the Braves have that they can just keep calling up infinitely. Um, but I don't have his numbers in front of me. I did he actually make a start the other day? I know he was scheduled, and then uh, was that the game that scrapped? If you have that in front of you, it'll I kill my blood. I have that in front of me, but 
All right. So regardless, we're talking about a rookie pitcher coming up. I think we can target some Red Sox bats safely there. Uh, and they're super cheap on FanDuel as they have been. And I think that's the real story here anyway. Uh, 3,100, 3,300, 3,300, 3,500. Alex Verdugo, Rafael Devers, J.D. Martinez, Xander Bogarts. That should not be. That's been a misprice for a couple weeks now. I've been talking about it. Just get all over it. It was a misprice today. They're drawing very good home run marks even against Max Fried, and those are going to go up if it's the other guy. So I like the spot. Red Sox playing at home. Uh, I definitely think we can work with some of those guys. Keep an eye on uh, – they just uh, worked Bobby Dahlbeck into this lineup, and he is a very, very high-end prospect for them, a uh, very uh, top-end uh, hitting prospect. Uh, 190 projected ISO from Steamer. Big swing and miss guy, uh, you know, three, true three outcomes kind of a hitter, uh, around 30% projected strikeout rate. But if he's on the slate, he wasn't on today's slate, but if he's on the slate, he could be a good option that's going to be super sneaky because the public won't be aware of him yet. Uh, so he's one of those uh, top rookies. I'm so mad, by the way, that I missed Joe Adele Day yesterday. I only rolled out a few lineups. You, you've heard me talk about Joe Adele like 37 times. Kid went off for two home runs yesterday, and I didn't have any of them. So I'm so annoyed about that. But uh, Delbeck's got similar kind of upside to Adele as a hitter. So, uh, you know, could be a sneaky option in that Sox lineup. I think that's a target for us. Uh, and then, yeah, the Braves coming back the other way against what's likely to be a bullpen game. If it's Darwin's and Hernandez or anybody else coming back the other way, fire away on the Braves stack for sure. Getting very good power numbers on the, the top half of their lineup. Uh, and then all the way down through like a Duvall, O'Reilly hitting seventh, eighth, somewhere around there. Lot to work with in that Braves lineup. Yeah, you look at since Acuna came back off IL, which was at the end of last week, uh, he's had a 30-point uh, day on FanDuel, a 15-point day on FanDuel, didn't do anything today. But, uh, yeah, that is somebody that uh, you know, you're always looking forward to. And he's, he's the most expensive. And, and you bring up the great point about if you want to do a Red Sox stack, your, your most expensive Red Sox bat on FanDuel is Xander Bogarts at 3500 Right. Right. You know. and, and I mean, he should be in the 45. That's probably a thousand short for where Bogart's, you know, quote unquote, should be mm -hmm. based on you know, at least the way FanDuel used to do their pricing. So what they're doing with uh, the play, whoever you want, is uh, creating some havoc, uh, at least for me. And uh, I think some of the other guys out there. So it's been fun, though. Uh, next up, let's move along as we've got the Pirates and the Brewers. Uh, Trevor Williams uh, is the starting pitcher for the Pirates as we do this show. The Brewers have not come out and said who their starting pitcher is going to be. So the one that came down for me and uh, that I'll talk about a little bit is uh, Eric Lauer for the Brewers. I think that's who it is. But again, it's just uh, you know kind of what came down with my update. So uh, not really looking at either pitcher here. I guess if I really had to choose, I'm getting a better projection on Williams, even though he's more expensive and in the worst matchup. If it was an actual gun to my head, I'd probably take Lauer against the Pirates. Better matchup. But I really don't like either either pitcher here. Uh, I think we can roll out the Brewers for sure against a guy like Trevor Williams. 18.1% uh, strikeout rate, 7.6% walk for his career. 1.28 uh, home run per nine to uh, right-handed hitters. So maybe take a look at some of that uh, right-handed Brewers power. Uh, you've got Ryan Braun there, assuming he's in the lineup. Kiston Hira, Avi Garcia. Uh, you know, so it's a reverse splits kind of situation for what uh, Williams typically allows. It's not a huge home run mark, but that's where it comes from. 
Uh, 2.08 X ISO on his fastball, so he's allowing a lot of power on the fastball. Uh, only .108 on the, uh, or I'm sorry, that was .208, not 2.08. That would be a broken number. But uh, only .108 on the slider uh, and generating 42% whiff on the 131 sliders thrown. So that's a good pitch for him. But ultimately, I think the Brewers can handle him. Pirates on the other side, just not a good lineup. Not a team I like to stack really very much at all. I think you could work them in a little bit against a pitcher like Lauer. You know, maybe get to a guy like Josh Bell working uh, Kevin Newman. Um, you know, maybe even just as like a little two man there. Don't like a lot with this team. You'd be contrarian if you have a pirate stack. Yes, pretty much always. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I don't. I don't think I. Re- I hardly ever even look at the, the pirates in terms of trying to put a stack together. There. Um, you know, obviously, you know, Yelich is the most expensive bat at 4100 but then it there's a huge drop off on the brewers in terms of FanDuel so if if you're looking to stack up against and basically if you say you know what I'm stacking the brewers cuz of who they're going against I can't blame you yeah yeah definitely and uh, like you said the the salary drop is is just unbelievable it goes 4100 from Yelich down to 3200 for a star in and of himself in Kisten Hira and then it goes down to 29 for smoke, and it's below below that for everybody else. I mean, that's it's just bananas what you can do on FanDuel with getting to basically any bats and putting them together with the top pitchers. So a lot of good pitching on the slate. So there's some good cheap stacks uh, you know available here that uh, we can definitely work with. Yeah, when we talk about uh, good pitching, you know, I think there may be a good amount of people listening to us that are sitting there and saying, okay, ultimately my decision comes down to Garrett Cole. Or to Shane Bieber, and you couldn't, you know, you couldn't rule say you're wrong either way. I mean, Bieber has just been absolutely amazing. Uh, you know, when you look at his lowest score this year was 37 points against the White Sox back on August the 9th, where he only had eight strikeouts. Uh, <laughs> his next lowest performance, and this is this is on on Fanduel, by the way is 51 points. So he has been absolutely amazing. And then going up here at the Royals and, and Keller going Keller going for the Royals and our good old friend Emac uh, saying, uh, Brad, 327 and a third innings in the show, just 22 homers or .60 homers per nine. Who is the best bet to look for for the exclusive solo shot from the Indians? Yeah, special writing question from uh, Eric M. down in Virginia. First time, long time. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, you know, just looking through some of those Indians for who's going to hit that solo shot. We talk about Keller's ability a little bit. There's a fire truck going by outside. So I'll raise my voice a little bit. We talk about Keller's ability to, uh, limit runs, limit home runs a lot. Uh, when he pitches, uh, cost us a little bit last time. I had a fair amount of them and I think he gave up a few runs, uh, uncharacteristically the last time out, but really do like that. Uh, it's a, it's a very real ability of his. Um, he, uh, he induces a, a good amount of ground balls, 51.7% for his career. Uh, he's only at 45.5 so far this year, so that can come up and probably will. Uh, gets a good amount of whiff on his slider, uh, 0.082 XISO on his uh, on his slider as well. Throws the sinker 25% of the time, so uh, very good uh, ability to limit the home run. 0.6 for uh 0.60 home run per nine for his career. So looking into uh, some of the guys who hit his arsenal well and at my home run model, I think I'm going to take the guy who's the obvious target for me, uh, who's typically the top Indian in my home run model, and that's Fran Mel Reyes. He handles the arsenal the best. So I think, Emac, that's your solo shot for the Indians if you want to roll it out 18.7 points in the bag on FanDuel for Fran Mel. And at 3,100, you got you to love the price. <laughs> Absolutely. Got to love the price and uh, – 
those Indians are uh, totally in play again, just looking up and down that stack uh, at the top there. Jose Ramirez, top uh, price on the board, four grand, but everybody else, 3,400 for Francisco Lindor is hilarious. One of the best players in baseball. Um, so, yeah, again, that's another big time target. Uh, even against a pitcher like Keller, I think we can roll it out and, uh, you know, probably limit it just based on how much he uh, is able to limit the home run ball. But I think we can roll it out over what the public is doing. And speaking of being over the public, Shane Bieber, who you led us in with uh, at 12 grand, I think probably is going to be underowned for his quality and for the quality of the spot. It's a big price tag to pay on FanDuel. And that's going to be more expensive than uh, Garrett Cole by, uh, what, 1300 bucks. I'm getting uh, about a half a point higher projection on Cole. So I think things like that might lead people away from Bieber. And I think that might be a spot we can take advantage of. If you can find ways to pay up, and we've just found a few already with these cheap stacks, I think Bieber is a dream spot here. Uh, you know, so you mentioned all the quality they've shown already uh, so far this year, just in terms of fantasy points. Uh, he's 29.8% uh, strikeouts for his career, only 4.7% walks, dynamite control, uh, gives up you know, not many home runs, 1.27 home run per nine to lefties, and it's a whatever kind of thing because there's not many guys on base when it usually happens. Uh, just dynamite, righties can't touch his slider, lefties can't touch his curveball, gets a ton of whiff on both pitches on, uh, on those sides of the plate. So I love the option here, and uh, I like paying up to be different with it. Well, I remember when he when he started his last start last Tuesday. I was doing live before lock with um, with Alex, and in the chat, it was so many people were basically saying, "I'm going to fade, I'm going to fade him," you know. And obviously, the price points up there, and you kind of you you just you wonder. I mean, eventually, he's going to have a bad game. It's just <laughs> this is the way it works. At some right. point, and, and I think it's. I think there's a lot of people are going, okay, is this finally the game where he has the bad game? You know, and when you mentioned about the 12,000, you know, salary on FanDuel and look, you expect him to be somewhere in that range on, on DraftKings as well. And I'm sure yeah. on Yahoo, he's going to be 50 plus dollars would be, you yeah. know, 54, 55, I think probably somewhere in that range is how many points has he got to score for you to say, you know what? It was worth it. So, I mean, it all becomes relative, right? We, we were talking about the spot for Garrett Cole. The projections are like dead on, but the spot for Cole is, is shakier than this. I think, I think the, the matchup against the Royals is stronger for Bieber than the matchup against the Rays is for Cole. So we've got to take into account what the other pitchers are doing on the, on the board too for us. So if Cole ends up 35 FanDuel points, Giolito ends up, you know, 33, 32, and Bieber cracks 40, 45, even if he's a higher price, much lower ownership, you're on different bats because of that. It makes you unique. You're approaching the slate in different ways than a huge swath of the field. So as long as he doesn't get lit up, I mean, you know, you don't want only 35 points from him for 12K. But like if he puts up a start like that and you're on the right bats, you can still make that work as long as none of the other guys are putting up a 65-point night. You know, so it's all relative to what else is going on. It's a tricky, it's a tricky question, and it's definitely the right, you know, question and the right way to look at the slate. Um, something that's the wrong way to look at things, and is worth talking about since you mentioned it. Um, that full fade idea, just you know, oh, he's been so good, he's been so good, it's gonna happen, he's gonna have a clunker. Yeah, he's gonna have a clunker. That's how baseball works. You do not want to be sitting there trying to guess when that happens. There is no such thing as he's been good, he's due to be bad. He's a roulette wheel. 
When you walk up to the roulette wheel, if you see 12 reds in a row, you do not have any higher of a chance of hitting black on the next spin than you do on every other spin. That's not how odds work. That's not how math works. So it's very similar. Just because he's had five, six good starts in a row doesn't mean he's due for a clunker. The numbers say he's going to be fine. One of these times, these teams are going to get to him. One of those spins, it's going to come up green double zero, and neither black nor red is going to hit. Things happen, but we can't just pick out of the air and reach into the tornado and try and pick his one bad game. It's Bieber. He's a high-pedigree pitcher getting a great projection in a good matchup. we got to go with it. Yeah, I mean, I'll use a basketball analogy. When I was building my lineups on, on Sunday of whether I wanted to put Luka Dantich in my lineups or not because he was so highly priced, I sat there. I mean, look, I, I didn't full fade him. But I, I sat there and, you know, and this is where if you've got fancy cruncher where you can use a, that exposure to make to kind of, you know, get the crunch the way you want to kind of come out. And, and to me, that's always it's I mean, look, if he goes out there and, and he puts up 70 points, you got to have him in your in, in your lineup. Right. You know, right. You know, if yeah. You, I mean, and. and- and in basketball, especially, I mean, when we're talking about maximizing that point per dollar spend and, and, you know, the different things that we have to be sure we're doing in basketball, where's your natural pivot from Luca on a short slate and all of that at that price point and, you know, that, that potential of, uh, of what he's going to do, his upside and his projection and everything, the amount that he's going to hit that target score. So, yeah, it, it's a great point. And, uh, you know, that's where the game comes into play. And that's why these guys are supposed to be difficult to afford and difficult to fit into, you know, combinations. That's what the game is supposed to be. Not just throw darts at the wall and play wherever you want. So can you, know, you tell I'm frustrated this year? <laughs> you know, speaking of a pitcher who's coming off a absolute awesome performance is Lucas coming off that no hitter for the white Sox, the 19th, uh, no hitter in white Sox history. Uh, if you did not have me here line up that night, uh, you most likely you were you were not. Uh, it was not a great night for you because you had to have him, Rich Hill, on the other side. You know, and I mentioned uh, earlier on the show. To me, this is just in terms of you know, two of the better teams in baseball right now is the White Sox and the Twins. They had a walk off, you know, today to 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 win a home run there and then the tenth with the rookie going deep for them. Um, what, what's your take? You know, as you you know, I. I Someone I always, I always feel like a guy coming off the no hitter. I'm always like, man, how do how do they come back and and still pitch a great game? Right, and you just got to think that like it's just so in your head that first pitch, you know, when you're all right, I allowed no hitters, no hits last time. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna come out here, I'm gonna do it again. Watch, uh, crack, you know, the ball goes up over his head. But uh, look, Giolito's been pitching great since the start of last year. Uh, he's really, really found it. He was a kid who came into the league with immense upside and immense expectations. And, you know, he, he found it. He was scuffling along a little bit and really put it all together. And the big difference is before last season, he found an extra 300 RPMs of spin on that fastball. And it just completely changed the way that everything else works. The way that that, were, it, that much spin creates a rising effect on the fastball and it makes all his other stuff that falls off the table, the curveball, uh, his, uh, his changeup, uh, really, or his slider rather in his changeup, just really, really more effective, generates more whiff. So he's just been dominant. Uh, 52% whiff on 88 sliders uh, that he's thrown this year, 55 of them the right-handed hitters. 32% whiff on that four-seamer, which is a very high number for a fastball. 37% on the change. Uh, exit velocity is in the 85th percentile allowed, 76th percentile of hard hit. 
82nd percentile ex-WOBA, 91st percentile in whiff rate, 92nd in uh, strikeout rate. Dominant. Um, tough, tough spot against the Twins, like you were saying. I can't wait to watch this this game and this series. I think this is going to be a dynamite series. I uh, think the White Sox might take this one or at least get out to an early lead against Rich Hill. <laughs> I think that's a uh, you know, bit of a, bit of a uh, uh, bad spot in this matchup, I guess. Uh, so Hill, not the pitcher uh, that he once was, and uh, we love that White Sox lineup. So I think the baseball game is going to be fun, but I think we can focus in on some White Sox stacks uh, for uh, DFS purposes here. Uh, Hill, for his career, 25.4% strikeout, 9.5% walk. Uh, home run per nine has been up the last three years, 119, then 136, and then 153 last year, and 184 to right-handed hitters. So I think maybe zero in on some of those Tim Andersons, Eloy Jimenez, Jose Abreu, Luis Robert. We got a lot of right equality in that lineup. Uh, they rolled almost all right-handed bats except for Grandal today. Uh, I, I like them to do it again tomorrow. So I think that's definitely a killer spot uh, for the White Sox. Twins against Giolito, probably going to be low-owned. Um, you know, Definitely a good, good lineup. There's power there. There's potential there. So if Giolito's high-owned at 10-6 on FanDuel, I get a good projection on him. I expect him to look good in the starters tool. Maybe you can roll out some Twins bats and be a little sneaky about it, but I wouldn't go nuts with it because he's pretty darn good. I mean, when you look at the main slate, so he is the third highest salary pitcher on FanDuel. As we do this show, we don't know the odds on the other platforms. Where would you rank him with Bieber and Cole? Would he be three? Would he be two? So I have Giolito three uh, just in my projections, and it's entirely created by the matchup. Um it's also, I think I had to make up uh, some run lines, so we'll have to check what the run, the actual run lines are. But I'm usually reasonably okay at it. I won't tap my own, my own horn and say I'm good at it, but uh, I get them close enough. So uh, I've got Giolito coming in uh, 33-ish points, and the other two are uh, upward of 45. Uh, just My projections usually project a little high on pitchers. I, I just have it geared that way. Um, so I, I like Giolito, uh, but I think it's the toughest spot of the three. I'll say that. Ranking the spots, I would probably say Bieber's in the best spot than Cole and then Giolito. Yeah, I mean, Giolito, 26 strikeouts in his last two games. That definitely uh, sticks out to you what he's been able to do, and he's been an absolute stud on FanDuel this year. Now, our final uh, game of the night is in Coors Field. It's the Padres and the Rockies. We do not know who's going to be on the hill for the Padres. They've not officially announced that at this time. Um, and we're, we're expecting that Marquez is going to be the starter for the Rockies. Yeah, I, I have Marquez and I have Quantrill for the pods, uh, but not 100%, like you said. Same as uh, same as all these other ones. It's just what came down with my update. So uh, if it is Quantrill, uh, kid's thrown 119 major league innings, uh, 4.50 XFIP for his career, 1.32 whip on his career. So he puts guys on base. Uh, he's only 20.6% strikeout rate. Uh, in the minors, it was only like high teens, right around 20%. So that's kind of who he is. Uh, throws his sinker 38% of the time. Not a pitch that plays well at course. So he could be in a little trouble here. Uh, he's got a good four-seamer, good enough to get by. So he could switch that up and just work with the four-seamer exclusively, not worry about throwing the uh, the uh, sinker, and just work with the four-seamer, the slider, and his changeup. 
and maybe get by. The, the slider's at 23% whiff for him. Uh, the change is at 33%. It's allowing some hard hits, some, uh, you know, uh, not the greatest ex-woba, uh, 29th percentile in ex-woba, 22nd in barrels, 27th in hard hit. So Kid could be in some trouble. We might want to look at some rocky stacks there. Uh, I, I feel like this matchup has been going on for like a month straight at this point now, too. Just <laughs> Padres and Rockies in cores. I know it's only four days now, but it's just it's enough of this one already. Uh, Marquez on the other side, good pitcher, uh, good at home, knows how to pitch at Coors Field. So a guy I think we can get to. Typically not a guy who gets rostered a ton. Uh, only 7000 on FanDuel. Probably not going to be prohibitively expensive on DraftKings. Uh, for his career, it's a stat I cite most of the time he's pitching at home. 337 XFIP at home. So very, very good XFIP, uh, 514 ERA, though. So another one of those guys that's more quality than he shows on the surface. Uh, so you might be able to get there. 40% whiff on the curveball, 45 on the slider. Very, very good breaking stuff. 0.71x ISO on his curveball, 0.128x ISO on the slider. So not allowing much power on the breaking balls either. Uh, Pods lineup we know very, very dangerous, hitting everything out of the yard. ton of power there. Uh, but Marquez is a guy who might be able to limit it. I wouldn't go nuts with it. It's a pitcher at course. Maybe as like a 10%er on DK as an SP2, depending on his price tag. Maybe very, very limited shares on FanDuel just to get a little cute and uh, create some pricing that you don't really need. You know, and speaking of the pods, on Sunday they traded for Mitch Moreland. He is expected to, to slide right into that DH role. The pods, uh, you know, they're, they had 13 runs on Sunday. Uh, you know, the whole line did, did unbelievable. Um, you know, so I think it's, you know, Mitch Moreland's uh, 3700 so he's already been priced up in terms of that, that, that Coors Field pricing. Um, and, and look, and, and I think that, and we talk about this all the time, is when you have a game in Coors, you really got to look at that ownership on that the stack tool that we have over at Osmo.com just because to see is it trending high? Is it maybe a low owned stack? Those are those are tools you got to take advantage of. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And we saw that yesterday. The Rockies were trending a little bit under yesterday, so uh, you know I, it was a team I was looking at um, on uh, FanDuel and then uh, on DK earlier in the day. They were both trending a little bit under owned, but then throughout the day they caught up. So it's something where I like to check it early when I just really start focusing in on the day, what's going on, how I'm putting things together, and I kind of just mess around in uh, cruncher and hand-building stuff, just seeing how things kind of snap together for the day. Uh, and then I always check back as things get closer to lock. Five o'clock comes, I start building for real, and I want to see where you know things have changed. And Alex updates that a couple times through the day, and things can change pretty dramatically with some of that ownership. So we're always looking for that edge, always looking for you know where there's a gap in uh, chance of being the top stack, chance of ownership, and uh, what the value looks like. So definitely important, and uh, same thing for the top pitchers tool. It works the exact same way. Of course, if you want access to those tools, go over to osmo.com forward slash join and sign up for an Osmo Plus MMA MLB weekly pass for fifteen ninety five. Also got to thank our sponsor, Yahoo, Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. They do now have CSV upload and CSV edit. Make better choices. Choose Yahoo Daily Fantasy. Of course, uh, coming up on Monday, we'll have the strategy show at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Lafley and Jake. And then Terry will be a part of MLB Live Before Lock. They'll be on at 6.30 before uh, Terry and Lafley are on at 6.30. I'll be hosting the NBA Live Before Lock as we've got two games as myself and Adam. We're going to be breaking down that NBA slate. Uh, Terry, as always, uh, be sure to uh, let everyone know where they can follow you at uh, on Twitter if they ever want to uh, reach out to you, man. 
I am at DigitalB21, at DigitalB21 on uh, Twitter. Hit me up anytime. I'm always around. Come on in and if you uh, subscribe at the site into Slack and say hi in there, uh, reach out. I'm always happy to answer questions, talk shop. Yeah, if you're in Slack, the best way to always just – if you just uh, mention me in Slack, that's about the best way to make sure that I'm <laughs> going to uh, to see that. Uh, but, of course, uh, we appreciate everyone who tunes into the LB Early Bird Podcast. Of course, uh, be sure to check out our sponsor – Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. And that is going to wrap it up for this edition of the MLB Early Bird Podcast right here on awesomeoak.com.